Can we go on a short tangent quickly and then come yeah, back to our Kickstarter discussion? Yes. When you first went to court, were you nervous? <laughs> so... Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Shenantics. I'm one of your hosts, Skanky. I'm here with my other host, M. Cull. We recorded pretty much an entire podcast before this of us talking about subjects. And uh, now we're going to revisit some stuff and probably not and talk about stuff we don't even know about. Right, M. Cull? That is right. Welcome to Shenantics, everyone. We spent literally 20 minutes before this podcast pretty much talking about... uh, Stuff we could have talked about on the podcast. <laughs> Which always happens. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, that's just, that's, but I feel like, yeah, we really, 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 we need to start just start recording the second we jump on the call and then we can just edit pieces in and out whether we like it or not and then be like, oh, okay, now we we'll can edit. Sorry. Yeah, we can edit that. Yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no big play. deal. <laughs> it takes like takes like a couple of seconds. Yeah, snip, snip fine. here, snip, snip there, snip a snip, snip a snip. Bop, bop, ba, da, da. Old McDonald. What do you? What is? <laughs> e -I -E -I -O. Anyways, yeah, no, so it's, But uh, I think you know our conversation before the podcast. I think it was kind of interesting. So maybe yes. we should talk about it. We, I think actually, I think you're right. Hold on, which one? Yes, yes, we should talk about that one. <laughs> We don't need to give it. We talk about advertisements on Twitch. That one. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. I got okay, you. Yeah, I not the other. Sure those we... were very private. Those other subjects we were talking about. That is true. That is true. So that, private. I will get that mole checked out. Yeah, uh, you really should soon. do that. So yeah, no. But uh, it was weird that you screenshotted my Snapchat of to the of the mole to you. I don't. Oh wait, that, that was, was a mole. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> right. I know. I know. Was... Anyways. Anyway. Yeah. So. We... Yeah, so... <laughs> So, so before the podcast, we were talking about um, Twitch and advertisements on Twitch, and it kind of started. I was I was telling Skanky and now all of you Ooh. about how I've slowly been watching more and more Twitch recently. I went through and I like unfollowed a bunch of channels and redid my notifications, so it'll tell me when you know certain people go live because those are all messed up. And I got in a place where I'm like really, really happy with it, and I can go to Twitch, and I feel like it's showing me content that I'm at least interested and want to watch compared to before. It was kind of just like this big mess of... Yeah, like yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit, like all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, but since the last time I've really like been watching a lot of Twitch, uh, there's been kind of there's been a change with Twitch Prime, and it used to be that Twitch Prime gave you an ad-free viewing experience, and they kind of took that away, so it's no longer ad-free across the site, and so the. I'm getting annoyed because the problem I'm having is now I go into streams and I have to watch the ads and I find them so incredibly grating and irritating that it kind of turns me off the platform a bit. And before Twitch Prime, I had Twitch Turbo. So it's been like a long time since I've watched ads on Twitch. And now coming back into it, it feels like it's not that great of an experience. And it actually kind of turns me off of the kind of away from the platform a bit, um, mm -hmm. which I think has been not really all that enjoyable. Yeah, that sucks. Mm -hmm. That really uh, sucks. And the thing that I said is that I think that the ads are, are very, very detrimental for 
people to find new streamers because mm-hmm. you you if you're gonna click on a stream, there's no need for you to sit through a 30 second ad just to find out if you like this person that you that you clicked on their stream to see their personality. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's very very difficult. So really, those people might just x out of the stream, and be like, forget this. I'm just gonna go watch this x big streamer. Because I know that I like them and I like watching them, so yeah, so it, no, it really, true. really hinders that. Yeah, and uh, one 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 thing I've experienced, like, which I think also translate over translates over to exactly what you were saying, is even among the people that I know, like that I follow because I know I like their content, I I kind of because of the ad experience at times, I actually stop watching Twitch where I'll hop over and I'll see someone's playing a game that I don't know if I'm interested in them playing that game. And so I hop into their stream and now I watch a 30 second ad. And so I'm already a little bit irritated. Their stream starts up and watching their content and I'm like, eh, this game really isn't for me. I was like, let me, let me go, let me go back and let me see if I can find someone else that I like and watch whatever it is they're streaming. So then I go back to my following page, I pull up a second stream and now I gotta wait for another 30 seconds and before that ad is even over, I'm already frustrated enough that a lot of times I've closed out Twitch and just pulled up Netflix to watch whatever I can on there because I don't have to deal with the entire ad experience with that mm-hmm. um yeah. and so the same thing happens is exactly what you're saying like that exact experience is the same thing you're happening with smaller streamers that because if you're trying to find smaller streamers to like new people to follow and watch a lot of times you're jumping in and out of three four five of them before you kind of settle down like okay this is a streamer i like to you know actually watch and enjoy their content so it doesn't make sense to now watch three or four different 30 second ads just to find maybe one new streamer that you want to that you do want to watch so yeah i don't like it uh, i don't like it either it's and granted i'm kind of and but like i said before i used to have twitch turbo but i don't watch enough twitch now that makes sense to pay the price to get an ad free experience right if i watched Mm -hmm. a lot more twitch like i did way back in the day like then I would pay for the ad free experience. But at this point it's not making sense, but it, that also doesn't like, even though I know I can turn it off, it doesn't make it any better to be like, Oh, I'll just suffer through it. Cause I'd rather not. Um, I, I'm curious though, since I've obviously like, I'm not around that much on the platform. Maybe I'm missing it. Do they have like the YouTube thing where you can skip the ad after five seconds or is it cause everything, every time I've seen it, it makes me sit through the, the entire damn thing. No, nah, there's no skipping of ads. Oh, yeah, see? I don't know. I don't know. I think... I'm not sure why, though, but like I don't feel like I get frustrated with ads on YouTube all that often. But then again, I have... Was it YouTube Red, or did they change what it's called now? The Whatever the YouTube program is. Red, really? Or, yeah, they changed the name of it. Yeah, didn't they? Yeah, I, whatever it's called now to give you like the ad-free experience on there. So maybe it's because of that, but I don't feel irritated on YouTube with it. But either way, it feels different to me with twitch than youtube i don't get frustrated with youtube's ads like i do twitch's ads yeah yeah i'm really wondering how much revenue that twitch was actually losing because of these ads though i mean it must have been Mm -hmm. a lot if they decided to bring them back for Mm -hmm. prime members you know yeah 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 maybe yeah i could yeah if they I mean, it probably was a lot think about it there was there's so many people that have Amazon Prime or have Twitch Prime just by the mere fact that they had Amazon Prime before Twitch Prime was released, right? Like, so now you have all these people that fall into the ad free bucket 
And it's not like they're new Amazon Prime subscribers. We're like, ooh, I want the ad-free experience. Let me go get that. So it's almost like they just kind of removed ads for a large portion of the Twitch community, like as like a gift. And so I think that was a very large amount of money. So it must have been. It must have been, but I really hate it so much. And it slows down your experience. Mm-hmm. And it's just that something needs to happen. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what needs to change, mm-hmm. but either it's skippable ads or it's like the ads don't take up the whole screen. You know, it's like banner kind of like a, mm-hmm. I, I hate banner ads, not in that sense, but like you see the stream, but like the video is smaller within the yeah. video kind of thing if that makes sense yeah. Yeah. i don't know something needs to happen though because it's ridiculous yeah or and i think i think one thing that like maybe we're being overly sensitive about this because if a lot of times when people watch twitch streams they're settling in for multiple hours of viewing experience right or mm-hmm. at least like a longer viewing experience than what you usually watch in on a an average YouTube video. I mean, I think when, you know, obviously there are longer ones and they're varying lengths, but sometimes if you're just clicking through to a YouTube video, you're going to watch like a couple minutes long of a YouTube video. So it's like, oh, I'll sit through like a five second ad to go watch, you know, a few minutes. But if you're going to watch two hours of a Twitch stream is a 30 second ad at the beginning too much to ask in the overall viewing time, right? And so if I was from Twitch's point of view, I could be like, no, like I, people should be able to put up with a 30 second ad if then we're not going to show them any other ads for two hours. Um, but I think in practice, it doesn't really, it works out that way when you finally settle on one, but it doesn't work out that way when you're jumping around various like Twitch streams to kind of settle in on what you do want to watch. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe, yeah. maybe what it is like make you watch like a 30 second ad and then don't give you another ad for like 20 minutes until you find something. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a really tough. I, I'm, I'm not really sure how to solve it, yeah. but it's something, something needs to go down. I don't know. And I wonder, I was another thing I'm kind of wondering is I, I wonder if, um, partner streamers is because affiliates don't get ad revenue yet, right? No. Yeah. So I wonder if partner streamers are seeing any bump in their revenue just by the fact that they have more people that have to watch the ads on their streams again. I don't know because you they don't really get a lot of money. I don't think for for from ads. the from the ads. Yeah. Yeah. Even if yeah, it's a lot of people, that. I really don't think it's mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah. Huh. Um. Yeah, I don't know what the breakdown is on that. I don't know. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Yeah. So I'll tell you one thing I, I'm excited to pay for on Twitch. Okay. So next week, not okay. like, I don't know, like 10 days from now or so. What's, what's, what's today? What's the day? Oh, the thir- 11 days. The yeah. 11 days from now is okay. a very big day. What's, the, what, what's going on? Do you know what is very special about February 14th? Oh, my God. It's Leif Erikson Day. Yes, maybe. I don't know what Leif Erickson is. Um, SpongeBob? Oh my god, didn't he pass away? Are we talking about the same thing? Probably not. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that SpongeBob passed away? Or... Didn't, the Spo- didn't the creator of SpongeBob The creator, pass- not SpongeBob himself. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Anyways, but no, no. Fe- February 14th is a very magical and romantic day because... Uh-huh. That is the start of the 2019 Overwatch 
League season. Yes, yes, so it is. I'm uh I'm very very excited. I'll be out in um, uh the L.A. area and uh, Burbank. Actually, technically Burbank. I'll be out in Burbank with Death Cake watching that. So I'll be very excited. But the reason why that reminds me of Twitch is for this previous season for the inaugural season, they had um. The Overwatch League All Access Pass on Twitch, mm-hmm. where it kind of gave you various perks and different viewing experiences and ad free viewing experience for Overwatch League streams. And I forget how much it cost. I feel like it was like $30 for the season. And now for this new season, they've actually changed it a bit, which is really nice. They've halved the price, so it's $15. They give you um, Overwatch League tokens in game so you can get two player two team skins for two different like two characters get uh team skins for that you get 20 percent off all overwatch league merchandise and then um like i said add free experience but the coolest one is they have what they call like the command center um for viewing the stream where you can shift around what the stream looks like you can have it like the standard overwatch league thing you can have it with different um view layouts like different like where it's got three different streams up in like the one um in the one window you can do it you can click and follow specific um players on each team so if you're like i really want to watch sabiel be on nyxl you can click over on his button and just see his character's feet so you can kind of jump around and see all of that which i think is really 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 freaking cool That's um insane yeah yeah and i'm i'm really excited uh really really excited about seeing how that works out that was kind of one of the things that when we saw it go live um last year for the inaugural one this is kind of what people wanted right what they gave you is they gave you like a different layout um and it was it was cool i personally thought it was worth the value um but everyone was like oh this layout is cool but i wish i could shift it around for like what i wanted to see and they're kind of giving you a little bit more of that it's not perfect but i do i think it's a it's kind of working in the right direction um one thing i think is really cool about this is this is um, through like the Twitch platform and esports, this is one of the benefits of esports is that you can kind of shift around how you're watching it, right? If you're watching traditional sports on TV, you don't get this kind of control. And so like for $15 for the entire season, um, you get this extra control, which is really cool. So I'm excited about that. Wow. Wow. Do you get skins and stuff like cool skins or something? Yeah, you get you well you get you get two in-game skins for for your team. Um, oh, okay. And then sometimes last year they did, if I remember correctly, I think they gave you like I don't remember if you had to cheer for them in the in the chat or if they just gave you um, Overwatch League skins for like Moira. Tracer and Soldier, I believe, were the three that you were able to get. Um, oh. I don't remember. If, I don't remember if you had to cheer to get them, or if they were just something they gave you as part of the All Access Pass. So interesting. Yeah. So Did they year, add teams this year to? Uh... Yeah, they added. Uh, was it like six expansion teams? I think. Wow. Let's see. Uh, Atlanta, uh, the Ganzu Charge. Uh. uh there's a there's a few the hunters, um, 
Daenerys. The DC team, right? Yep, DC. DC, the, uh, what, Justice, I believe is what it is? Yep, yep. Justice. Washington, Washington Justice. Whoa. Uh, no Chicago, uh, was it uh, Vancouver Titans? Oh, yeah. Or another yeah. one? Toronto Defiant. Oh, which, Toronto. They got really cool colors. I like the Toronto Defiant, and uh, they're they're moving their way up. I think I think New York is still my number one. I think it's gonna be New York, Toronto, and then maybe maybe DC is my like my main three that I'm gonna watch. So okay, yeah, so, okay. so it should be cool. We didn't get a Chicago team. I'm very very disappointed by that, but maybe next year. So okay, all right. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So. so then, when they have the championship in New York again, you're gonna come here, right? Oh, absolutely! Like I, I, I know. I one thing, one thing. So I really want to keep going. To, I want to go to the championship every year. That's domestic, right? If it starts to get international, it gets a little pricey, and I don't know if I would go to all those. But my goal is to go to every championship game that they have domestically. And if it was, if if it was up to me, and I got to make the decision, I would honestly tell them to just hold the championship every year in New York at the Barclays Center. Or wow. some New York venue. I think New York is a great place to host it. There's so much to do in the city outside of it, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's a, I mean, also I'm kind of biased because you live there. <laughs> not, not only do you live there, but there's so many, there's enough people on the East Coast where it's like, you know, like that's part of the reason we had such a good group last year is it's not yeah. a huge travel thing for all the East Coasters to kind of go to. Um, True. But yeah, I would, I would, I would love if they just held it in New York every year. I doubt they're going to do that, yeah. but um, but it, that would be that'd be amazing. So ah, we'll see. I thought I thought it was pretty well organized last year. I did too. It's which was you know which I one thing that's kind of great is like it was pretty well organized and it was only their first year doing it right mm-hmm. and so they you have to hope that they learn things along the along the way and it only gets better each year out so yeah it was it was not a fire festival situation no it was not not a fire festival situation speaking <laughs> of the fire festival yes um you did watched you get chance- the new one i watched the hulu one did you get a chance to watch that no all right Skanky. give me your review what what, what do you think which one's better so yeah so tldr right off the bat let's go with if you only watch one of them, I recommend the Netflix one. Um, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was better. Um, I think it was better that like in a number of ways you got a lot of footage from the actual event and things leading up to the event, right? Uh-huh. And so, like, just from from a documentary standpoint, I believe that the footage that you got was better. The characters. Like the people appearing in the documentary, I believe, were better or and closer to what was actually happening. So they felt more credible. Um, and then it was, I don't know, the pacing and everything else. It just it felt like a better documentary to me. The okay. Hulu one is very different um, from the Netflix one, which is kind of interesting because they're covering the exact same event. Um one thing that I think I feel like the Hulu one focused a bit more on um, if I'm remembering correctly, because now it's starting to like they're starting to bleed together a bit. Mm-hmm. But I believe that the Hulu one focused a bit more on like the influencer side. And I think they're trying to make a point about like, here's what kind of a problem with influencers and social media is right. Like that they can kind of create this that like they're part of the reason that this entire fire festival thing was even able to get as far along as it did yeah um 
And so like that was kind of that was kind of interesting. The interviews with Billy. So did not come off well for him at all. Like he uh-huh. he he just he seems even more corrupt and like idiotic and just like I disliked him even more after hearing him talk, which I think is interesting. That's because interesting. you watch the Netflix one and he kind of comes off as like this charismatic snake oil salesman, right? Like, Oh, I can see like how people can kind of get roped into whatever this guy is pitching. And so then I would think in like his documentary interview, like he might be able to kind of pull the wool all over, over all of our eyes, uh-huh. but it really didn't turn out that way. He kind of did not look any better and maybe even looked worse after kind of going wow. through that. So, okay. Um, but it, one thing about it, and a lot of the way that the Netflix one feels like a standard or I would say more traditional documentary, the Hulu one feels like it's aimed at millennials. And mm. like it feels like they do different cuts. They do kind of like they, they had parts where if they're showing like video footage of someone, they have um, I think it's an Instagram like in Instagram. If you like you could see what people are tagged in a photo or maybe it's on Facebook where it has like a little black box in their name underneath it. Well, they kind of took that idea and applied it to some video footage to be like, oh, look, here's this influencer type thing. and like showing their handle and stuff. And it just it felt very geared towards millennials that the way that it was kind of cut together and shot and i would say like the final productions and edits that they put on it um which as a millennial i'm like okay cool like i get what you guys are doing but it just it felt i don't know it felt kind of cheaper it felt it felt like when hulu had first started releasing their uh, original content like they i remember one like way back when they had this like superhero type show that they released and like the story and concept was pretty good but like the editing it just felt so amateurish and Uh that kind of also feels with this one like they were doing something different and i didn't come off it didn't really come off as edgy to me it came off more amateur to me um so i would say just i don't know i don't think that's like mark against it but it is just one thing that felt differently about it okay um i do recommend watching them both i think they're both entertaining and interesting info um but if you can only watch one, I do recommend the Netflix one. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I yeah. like your analysis. So. Uh, I'll watch the Hulu one. I, yeah, I, th- I think, and I think you could, I think especially as like someone that d- has done this kind of thing on your own for school, I think mm-hmm. it would be interesting or you could at least appreciate the different approaches that they took. Sure. Um, and one thing that I think is kind of interesting, but also ends up being a little bit jarring is how they use the same source material differently right like there's in the netflix one you see a lot about different tweets or we get video footage that people had tweeted out when it was actually happening um and like youtube footage of like influencers like recording themselves on the jet and like quote unquote private jet and stuff and so you see them they have both of them have parts of it where they have the exact same source material because that's what the source material is out there but they use it in very different ways or they put it into the documentary in very different places and that can Mm -hmm. kind of be jarring uh, because you're like oh wow like for whatever reason I associated that tweet or that picture or that video with this part of the storytelling and you're using it differently Uh, so it's a little jarring but it's also kind of you can kind of appreciate that like oh this is how you're trying to tell this is how you're telling the story and this is how you're formulating the thesis that you want to arrive at yeah 
yeah, there's tons and millions, and yeah, it's crazy to tell tell the same story so many different ways. Yeah. So no, that's I kind agree. of uh, that's kind of interesting. I'm gonna it have is. to check this. Yeah. So it's a uh, give you my review. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, the more I think about it, the more I believe it's um that these people just wanted to throw not the fire festival before it like six or seven months before when they were first doing the concept and they were shooting the promo video i feel like they just want to throw a giant party for the promo video and that's essentially what all this was and like eh, might as well actually throw the festival out anyways also we already have we already did the like party with all the models like let's just go through it and do the music festival too like that's what it feels like to me so yeah 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 no that makes sense but, Although at the yeah. same time, it's kind of like, I mean, did you really ever think that it was going to be a thing? I mean, no, the guy like, is such a dirtbag. When Billy you promote something, Sterling. it's like, dude, you have to know that it could happen. Like you have to be able to have it in your hand. Mm-hmm. And when you when you're when they're promoting it, it almost seems like, oh, all this stuff is a given. Like this is what's going on. Yeah. And and the influencers kind of did that. They 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 kind of pushed that whole facade. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know, man. That's a crazy story. Crazy. Yeah. It remind it reminds me a lot of like the Kickstarter problem. And oh, like Kickstarter. And maybe I would say that Fire Festival might be an outgrowth of the problems with I don't know, like you could say partly the venture capital in Silicon Valley, but also the like are the millennial and Gen Xer generations um, kind of like adopting of the Kickstarter model, like across everything, right? Like, I don't really know how to do it, but like I got spirit and I'm pretty smart. So like, let's just raise money and it's all going to be figured out in the end. And it doesn't always happen that way. So, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no. (sighs) (laughs) Kickstarter angers me sometimes tell me why can you can you encapsulate your anger and 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 just and feed it to me on a nice platter so did i tell you about the game identity no tell me okay i backed this game on kickstarter called identity in 2014 2015 Mm -hmm. it was supposed to come out it was in 2015 i think it was supposed to come out in 2016 it just came out Two months ago, <laughs> and Five it was a late. shit fest. Yeah, it was awful. Like it was not good, <laughs> not good. Um, and it's the same kind of like you know they promoted it as this big kind of open world role play esque like do whatever you want kind of thing. And when I went on. It was it was just not good, man. It was not good, and and still they're updating it now, like over and over. And they came out with an update on Facebook or something the other day, and they were like, "Hey guys, so we just came out with a shooting range (parentheses no shooting yet)," <laughs> and people in the comments were like, "Wait, there's you released the shooting range, but you can't shoot in it? Like what? What's the point? Like I'm." I, <laughs> It's like, what? (laughs) And it's just like, dude, uh, what were you spending all this time on? Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't make any sense. So that's something that pisses me off. Most times I've actually had pretty all right experiences with Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. I did. I got one thing 
uh, early on Kickstarter. Only no one way. thing. Yeah, which is very surprising. I got it a month early. And they've actually gone on to be like a, a pretty successful company. The Wandered Bag. Have you heard about that? Mm-mm. So the Wandered Bag is like, uh, it's a photo video bag that, um, it looks really sleek and they, they did a really good job of like trying to make it work for travel. Mm, this is pretty and, cool. Yeah, I actually got it early and they're actually doing very, very successful now after that Kickstarter. I guess because they actually knew what the fuck they were doing yeah, and didn't like squander it. So yeah. um, I'm actually really happy with them. They did a good job. Did, um, do I, I don't remember, but did Peak Design do a similar, did they do a similar thing with their bags at the beginning? Peak Design. Yeah, they also do camera bags. My brother uses a lot, used to use, I believe, I'm not sure if he still does. Peak, used to use yeah, I've seen these. A lot of their camera bags. Oh, it looks like they have like an everyday type thing that aren't just cameras anymore. I shouldn't, I am, I love Don't look bags. at it, don't look at it. I don't know, look. I should. X, 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 X. I have already, I've been too deep. I'm in oh, way too deep. Oh, my credit card in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've already bought four. Oh, God, why did fucked. we do this? <laughs> um... Yeah, I, uh, I one thing that's interesting that like with the Wander Bag, in and that I think happens with other companies too is, I I don't know I look back and I think I've had very mixed results with Kickstarter. I've had some good ones and I but I've had a lot of bad ones where like it's just been long enough that I've completely written it off. I was like, okay, I lost twenty, thirty, fifty, whatever the amount of money is, like that's just gone. Like, I don't ever expect to get yeah. anything about it. Like, I've even had ones where they're so late and they keep emailing updates. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, just stop emailing me. Like, I yeah, really, yeah, like, yeah. I'm assuming I'm never, I don't even want whatever this fucking product is anymore. <laughs> like, just take money and leave me alone. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but there are, there are ones that I have that I don't think I've ever gotten anything early, but I have had some successful ones. And what's interesting though is, the successful ones usually are from people that have a track record of being good at this, or they've gone on to then just have companies that don't need Kickstarter anymore, or they yes. have companies that don't need Kickstarter, but sometimes they do something on Kickstarter to kind of build up hype type thing, and they can deliver easily because they have the relationships with people that to develop the products and stuff. And so the the two that I'm really thinking about, um, the first one is Studio Neat. Um, they made a one. I think their first Kickstarter, one of their um, early ones i believe it's called the glyph let me pull it up and what the glyph was yeah the glyph was is um it was kind of a tripod mount for your iphone and you can kind of slide your iphone in and put it like on one of those gorilla grip type tripods or other tripods that you want um and then the first version had like other notches in it so you like when you weren't using it to like put on a tripod you can use it as like a little stand like if you're watching a movie on a plane um or stuff like that and then they went on and released other versions like version 2.0 3.0 4.0 of this glyph that then they kind of adapted to make it so it was adjustable so it can work for other phones so it wasn't just like the very first one was i think for like like the iphone 4 or something like that it was just for the iphone 4 it was like perfectly made for that and then like version 2 was like well we're making adjustable so like it works for like the um iphone 4 but 
it also will work if you have a case on it. And then they, you know, kind of expanded it out. Like version three was like, okay, now it's adjustable and works for all Android phones type thing. And mm-hmm. so they're, and they, you know, delivered on the product and they went on to be a successful company. And they, I bought a lot of their stuff. Like uh, yeah. another one is the Cosmonaut, which was a stylus for like the iPad that they released. Um, and then they kind of went into the cocktail market, which those are my two favorite things for them is the simple <laughs> syrup. Kits and where you can like it's a little jar for making simple syrup, which is it just is super functional, works well. And then the neat ice kit, which is an ISIS ice system to make clear ISIS. ISIS. It's an ISIS system. It's an ice system Whoa. to make clear cubes of ice uh, at home, like you would get at like a high end cocktail bar. Um, oh. And I mean, they just they're kind of and they've kind of moved over to like pens and stationery now. And really, they just kind of, in my opinion, really you know knocked it out of the park and so that was the first one where it's like there i think that's a big success story and then the other one that has done well through the kickstarter model model is um max temkin and from cards against humanity and so whenever like he has a new idea a lot of times he'll go through or if he has like a small one-off idea he'll go through kickstarter and kind of do that and then be able to follow it up and release something. But I mean, he clearly through his other company cards against humanity has shown that he knows and has the ability to do this. Yeah. Um, and so it's not like just someone that's like promising the world. It's like, no, they're promising something reasonable and they know how, what it takes cost wise and time wise to deliver the products that they're promising. Um, so it's uh but those are like those are really the only people I trust on Kickstarter anymore. And I have a big bullshit meter where it's like, oh my god, that sounds so amazing. I'm like, oh, if it does, I shouldn't back it because there's yeah. no way they're gonna deliver on that. Yeah, I know. A hundred percent. Yeah. God damn them. Oh, fucking Kickstarter. So I used to love it. Nice because I used to love dreaming about good things and now I'm cynical and hate the world. Yeah, there's a lot of things on there that didn't really Although, you know, a lot of the things I got were pretty, they were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. I'm trying to pull up my Kickstarter right now so I could see, um, if I can see what things I've backed in the past. Oh, and I can we can give a quick rundown of all the various things I've I've backed in the past. One thing that sticks out in my mind that I oh, actually I want to pull up when I backed that one. Oh, have you backed anything else other than that uh, than that video game? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the bag, obviously. So let's see. I did the first um, Kickstarter thing I ever did was for something called New Fifty Five Film. Okay. Which. Uh, so the, this, these guys, they were trying to bring back... This is, like, so nerdy. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. These guys were trying to bring back 4x5 um, peel... Like, 4x5 peel-apart instant film. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So 4x5 so cameras are, like the kind of large cameras that you see and you you go like under the the cloth right and you're like focusing it's like those old timey cameras mm-hmm. and the peel apart film is kind of like polaroid used to make a film where you could put it in the back and it'd be instant and you would peel it apart and you would have the your positive and your negative so mm-hmm. they 
Polaroid went out of the business, obviously, a long time ago. So these guys were trying to bring it back. Mm -hmm. And they did a good job, and they did it. Uh, it took a really long time, though. And they hit a lot of hurdles because of just, like, the process of finding out how to do it again. Mm -hmm. Because when Polaroid um, went out of business or when, when they went bankrupt, they destroyed all their machines. Mm -hmm. So they had to, like, kind of build it from the ground up. And they were successful. And just, I believe, a couple of months ago, they went out of business um, because they, they, they couldn't get one very specific like product like paper product anymore mm, and they they just and they were they were in debt and it was like a whole big thing yeah. so they, yeah that that went downhill um oh damn yeah yeah and then i did identity i did the bag um i did a kickstarter for this notebook called comp okay which uh was cool it's just like a, it's like a it's just a notebook <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but it was cool, and I liked the look of it. It was kind of expensive, but it was nice. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just really—I have it, but I'm scared to write in it because I paid like a lot of money for it. <laughs> um, but it's nice. <laughs> That's the—that is the. Uh, those are the best notebooks. The ones are honestly like, yeah, you like, never want to write in them. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's, like it's it's all it's so much like form over function to a point where it's like I just love it so much that I don't ever want to ruin it. Exactly. Like, I do that. It took me very long. I. I used to be so bad with that. And it took me a very long time to break that habit. I remember vividly when I was younger, I would like, I don't know why this sticks on my brain so strongly, but when I was younger, my parents bought me like the set of crayons and I really, really love the crayons. And so I wouldn't write with them because I wanted them to remain in perfect condition. Oh yeah. And it, you're just, it's like, Oh my God. Like what's, what is the point? Like, what is the point that just to have this object that you keep perfect? Yep. And I then, know. Uh, yeah. I still I do. You. I, Still to this day, I have that problem. I'm trying to, I try to um, break myself of it. I, actually, one thing I, uh, one thing but before I go, I backed a shit ton of Kickstarters. Um, oh, one, boy. yeah, we'll go through a few of those. But um, one thing I do now, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but um, one of my favorite notebooks that I use is uh, Field Notes notebook. They're small, oh, like yeah, little memo yeah. books I keep in my back pocket. But the first thing I do with every field notes notebook is on the very first page i write the first page is profound on it and it's kind of this idea that like now i've started using it right like instead of being like oh my god the first page is so important like what can i can possibly write on that that is worthy of the first page of this notebook and if i just write that on it that's like okay now i'm on to the second page and no one gives a shit about that so i can do whatever i want with the notebook um and like a lot of times, like especially with my field notes notebooks, because like they're essentially just workhorses that are disposable. Like I'll rip pages out if I need to like put a note somewhere else. Like I often use it like if I have gum, like I'll rip out a page and just put my gum in it because I don't have any other paper or anything. So I do that a lot when I'm going to court. Um, and so I've gotten in a big habit, like or if I'm like using like a bullet journal, like I'll just take a page and like just scribble a giant line on it, just kind of being like, no, like screw you, notebook. I do what I want. Like you, you don't own me. Uh, yeah. It's very, it's very weird, but. It, has helped me kind of break at least with notebooks break that habit of being like oh my god this is great and perfect and i want to keep it that way can we go um, on a short tangent quickly and then come yeah, back to our kickstarter discussion yes i want to ask you mm -hmm. a question mm -hmm. when you first went to court yes for the, for the first time yes were you nervous <laughs> so yes 
Um, like, had you gone bef- to court before? Like, I mean, like when you were an actual lawyer, like you were working someplace, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. G- give um, me that experience. What, what was that like? Okay, well, so I'll give you a few experiences actually. Okay. Because um, there's been there's been a few there's been a few different types of first experiences in court, and with I'll, I'm trying to remember my actual first first experience um they try and prepare you a lot or try and prepare you as much as they can through law school especially if you take like trial advocacy they try and teach you what you need to do to argue in court and then they give you times to go i mean every anyone can go observe court at any point that they want um but through law school and certain classes you're encouraged to go kind of watch an experience and so they um that makes it a little bit better. But um, my first experience with court is when I used to work for a legal clinic and we were defending this, we were defending this case and it was in a County outside of Chicago, which means I had to like get in a car and drive like 45 minutes or about an hour to get to it. And Mm -hmm. as a result of that, like my supervising attorney, it didn't make sense for them to also come with me. And so I had to go there completely alone. And, um, so a lot of that was we were filing on behalf of our clients. We have to file documents and then, um, you go into court and you kind of present things. And a lot of court isn't what you see on TV. A lot of it is really straightforward. You walk in and you kind of just do status updates and it takes like five to 10 minutes and you're out of there. But this case was a little bit different. Like, first of all, the very first time I ever had to go in and do a status update was like terrifying, right? I have no action. I've never stood up in court. I'm all alone because my supervising attorney didn't make sense for him to come out all the way out there with me. And it's in a courthouse I've never been in before, so I don't know their specific procedures on how to do things. Um, like, do you check in with the clerk beforehand? Do you just wait in your court? Your case is eventually going to be called. If there's another attorney, how do you find an attorney that you only know them by name, that you've never seen what they look like, which is yeah. kind of terrifying? You can't just walk into a courtroom when court is in session and be like, so-and-so, are you in here? Right? Like, You're not allowed to talk while court's in session. And so it's kind of like, all that is terrifying. So I'm like, I'm driving out, and I've never done any of this before and we filed a petition in this case um we were representing like the plaintiff side so they were trying to seek relief so you filed a petition saying here's all the facts and here's why we should like be granted the relief that we want um okay. and so i was going out there so i have no idea what's going on and i i've talked to the other side's attorneys and they said they're going to be there and the second thing a kind of like a little bit of a side note on this is the legal, especially when it revolves around court, the legal process is very adversarial, right? And so you're defending your client. And so this other side, like they're nice, good people, but they're defending their client. So they kind of are a little scary, right? Like they're not like, yeah, they're not fucking around. So I mean, they're like your, your enemy pretty exactly. much. In that scenario, exactly. Right? right. I mean, yeah. And so, um, yeah, exactly. Like they're your enemy and they're representing their client's interests. And so it's not like they're, they're not going to pull punches on you, right? Like they they're going to, they're going to fight for their clients. They want to win. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I, so I go to court and I kind of like show up. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) Like I like, so I go and like check in with the clerk and, um, I think the other attorney must have either looked up my profile like on the website so they knew what I looked like um, Uh or something, but they found me and then they're like, okay, so this is what we're thinking. I was like, okay, great. So then 
we had to go in front of the judge and I, and at the time I was clean shaven. And so I go in front of the judge and I'm like super young and the judge like was a hey, super nice. And they can tell that like, I'm nervous. And this is probably like my, for one of my first times ever doing this. Uh-huh. So it was a little handholdy. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do type thing. And like, I was kind of terrified, but like I said, it, most of court interaction is very boring. And so nothing really all that exciting happened. And it wasn't like a make or break it with the case. All we did was like set up the schedule for like the next things to happen. And so like I was terrified, but it ultimately went fine. However, what ended up happening is the other side um, submitted a motion to dismiss our case based on like things that we had, they're saying that we had done wrong. And so the second time I had to show up in court was I had to submit a brief to the court arguing our position. And then I had to get up in court and argue our position in front of the judge against oh, the other lawyer. The second time ever. <laughs> yeah. So, so oh now, my God. So now, right in, dude. <laughs> right? Exactly. Holy shit. So like I'm terrified the first time because I've never done this before. Now the second time I'm terrified because I've only done it once before. I've only ever stood up in court once before. And now I'm going back out there and I have to actually make an argument in front of a judge against another person that's arguing against me. And it's like I can do an argument, but like now all of a sudden there's stakes in it and I'm like terrified. I was like, oh my God, this is not going to go well. And so like I get there and I'm so incredibly nervous. I'm trying to like take notes and like do like everything I learned in trial ad and like from observing. And I'm only one there which also really sucked because a lot of times in court especially if you're doing um like if you're actually making arguments you really want to be two people because you want one person to be able to make notes on everything yeah while you're trying to formulate your arguments because and then also while you're making your, your argument if they think of something they can write something down on their notepad and be like what about this and then it kind of helps your thing and so i was trying to do the other side had two lawyers and i was all by myself so i'm trying to do both these things all by myself and i was like oh my god so i was like very exhilarating there's a lot of adrenaline but a lot of nervousness um and so i you know i argued our motion and we ended up winning and one thing i want to go back to is that you know i said that it's adversarial and you have like the other side which is like the enemy but one nice thing about like lawyers is that you're representing someone else's interest and so you also are super cordial with each other right like we can sit down and be like you know we can shoot the shit a little bit afterwards and just be have a human kind of discussion about it you know what i mean Uh and like come to terms about things that we think are agreeable to each of us and so there's times where you are kind of fighting with each other about things but then there's other times where it's like okay yeah you're just a nice normal human and you're actually a nice good person not every attorney is but you do get that with some and in this case they were very very nice so ended up winning that one and then ever since there all of it seemed very easy because i'm like i literally had to like go to a county I have no idea about and stand up and make an argument like all this other shit that I have to do just standing up to say here's the status of our case is uh-huh. so damn easy um but so that was that and then I, my practice shifted into another area of law and so I had to go to court under in a whole different division in uh, Chicago and the first time I went up with that it was a little nerve-wracking it wasn't so bad because I'd done it before but it was a little nerve-wracking in the sense that it's practicing in a way that I haven't done before like I also had an appearance in foreclosure court which like at that time by the time I'd done that I'd done enough practice where it's like I can kind of roll with the punches like I know generally how court goes and 
so it was uh-huh. not super terrifying to do it. But um, every time that you're kind of going in for the first time under a certain thing and new judges, it there is a little bit for me at least anxiety and stress about it. Um, but at this point, and especially if you at this point, I practiced enough under the judges that I see regularly that it's a whole different relationship, right? The clerks know me, so it's much smoother process. And if I have to ask the judge for something weird in my case, like I've built up goodwill where they know I'm not just being an asshole where they're like, okay, yeah. yeah, Like you close cases, you close probate estates. So we know that like, you're kind of, you move things forward. Now you're asking for this. We're going to grant you that because we know you're not just doing it to string us along. Um, and so, which is, which is nice. So it's kind of interesting how, um, you know, my practice has evolved the, you know, in the courtroom since then, but yeah, it's fun though. When when you're in court, can Mm -hmm. you spot the newbie? You, you know what's funny is yes. So sometimes, um, one thing that's very interesting, I would say, is in part of the area that I practice is I do probates, which is when someone dies, it's going into court to manage their estate. Um, and one thing that's kind of interesting about that is a lot of lawyers that don't practice in that area they have someone around them that dies and they're like, all right, I'll handle this case because my father died or my brother died. Right. And they're like, it doesn't make uh-huh. sense for me to pay an attorney. This is probably very simple. Like I can handle this and I'll go in and you can always tell those people because you're like, they're making like very common mistakes, mistakes that I've made, right? Not, nothing against them. I made the exact same mistakes my first time going into court, but they're making it. And the guy is like, you know, 65 and he's making these mistakes because he has never done this before. And so yeah. you can easily spot those ones ones and um and so those so you you can definitely see that and also you like like i said about how like kind of the clerks and the judges um that especially the ones i appear before regularly know me enough now you can also see that with other attorneys right you can tell when they go up to the clerk and the clerk easily handles whatever they're doing versus something that goes up to the clerk and it looks like it's taking like 15 minutes to do what it should take one minute because not everything is going smoothly so you got can it, you it. definitely can spot the newbies or i would say newbies or bad attorneys maybe they're all just <laughs> one. They're hard to distinguish between the newbies and people are just really bad at their job so. uh-huh Okay, and then my other question is, Mm -hmm. you were talking about how you had one class in law school that was like trying to prepare you for court, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that that law school really did help you have that preparation for the court? Or did you kind of feel like you needed to just do it one or two, three times, and then you kind of got the hang of it? Um, I would say, I would say that, so the class that, tries to prepare you for court is trial advocacy and not everyone has to take it. Like if you're never going to practice in front of a court, like there's no reason for you to ever take that class. Uh-huh. Um, it was a very fun class. I would say that it does, it prepares you for the basics, but I mean like all things you do need the real world experience. Um, and there's a lot of things that they can't teach you, especially like if you ever go like into actual like criminal law or personal injury, like where you're actually having to argue cases all the time um, that you what you learn about what to do in court, you have to learn just from doing it right like how do you Uh question a witness on the stand like you can try as much as you can in like the classroom setting but you it really takes experience of having to question people on the stand before you understand the way you need to do it um and so it obviously can't i do feel like it did prepare me enough where i 
felt like I was nervous, but I did have the confidence where it's like, okay, I can go do this. Right. Like I didn't have to be like, yeah, go to my supervising um, attorney and say, I need you to go do this because there's no way I can. Um, I was Got able it. to be like, okay, I can go out and do this and then be terrified. That I'm going to fuck up, but at least give me the confidence. I can walk into the courtroom and take care of what I need to. So nice. Oh, well, that yeah. was a fun tangent. Yeah, that was that was a fun tangent. So court is interesting. If if you, it, I I mean maybe it's just me, but it is it is fun to watch, to watch trials go down when they're actually trying a case. Um, like one of the sad things is, and I feel like there's a good portion of attorneys that feel that way. The one of the sad things is is that it's very unlikely I'll ever be on a jury, and that makes me sad because I really want to be on a jury because I really yeah. want to see what happens in the jury room, but it's really stupid to put an attorney on a jury. <laughs> like it's not, Yeah, yeah. you don't want to do that. So, um, so it's, I'll probably never be on a jury, but I really, really wish I, w- I would be able to. And then you have like everyone else. That's like, I never want to be on jury duty ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I know. Right. Yeah. They're the ones that are always put on there. So. But. Yeah. I've been, I've been to a couple of court cases before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like your, your, one of your first kind of things in, I guess, in journalism school mm-hmm. is to go to courts and cover them. So, like, I've been to I've been to a couple, and I was always nervous going to court. Mm-hmm. Like, even just to go and view, because, yeah. I don't know, I find it to be a nerve-wracking experience. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you feel weird, mm-hmm. I, I think. You feel, uh, for me, I, I always felt like I was doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, even though everything there is public, right? Like, it, you can do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, you feel so strange just kind of walking in mm-hmm. to these things that are happening. Yeah. You know, and especially when it's, you know, I went we went to a court uh in grad school. We went we went together as kind of like a trip to the court to kind of like, I don't know, just to do it. Um and talk to, you know, district attorneys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um but we went to the court and we went into a case that was about I think it was it might have been a murder. I don't remember um, off the top of my head. But, you know, it was a – in New York, you're not allowed to film or record mm-hmm. in the in the courts. Yeah. So, you know, you have to put your phone in a Ziploc bag. You have to give it to, like, the, the marshal guy outside. And it's, like, this yeah. whole big deal. And, you know, you're just kind of sitting there. And you're like, wow, like, the stuff they're talking about is, like – kind of fucked up and like kind of personal-esque mm-hmm. but it's not because we're in this public setting yeah. and it's like very weird and very strange and you just feel kind of like off put by it all right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i remember like one of the one of the more difficult assignments i had in undergrad was we had to go to a court to report on a story mm-hmm. and like do a whole thing and you know it was nerve wracking for me to like just go into a room and yeah. sit down and just like do it yeah. because it just felt so strange and like, I, I, yeah, it just felt wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, um, and it was funny. We ended up, I ended up uh, talking to one of the prosecutors like before this court mm-hmm. case that he was doing and he was like, you know, so confident that shit was going to go his way and like, oh, yeah, like we're going to give you an interview like after we do this case, like come down mm-hmm. to the court, whatever. He's like a nice guy. We went to the court, dude freaking lost and he like stormed out. We didn't get the interview. It was like this whole big thing. But it was an interesting experience. 
Yeah. Like it was, it was fascinating to to kind of do that. But yeah, yeah I still feel really awkward when I go to courts. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that. I I did for before I became a lawyer, and even like a little bit after, like I was first an attorney. Um, I felt I felt awkward um being in court like not practicing in court but like just viewing um always felt weird and now like it, it seems so normal to me uh two things i really like that you your story reminded me of is um i remember i watched this one personal injury case and it is it's really really interesting to watch good attorneys present a case in court especially when they're going up against another good attorney and i watch this personal injury case and they're going through it and i'm like like i'm like oh my god i totally agree with the plaintiff's side like yes like this was like medical malpractice like those doctors i can't believe like they did this so on and so forth and then defense put on their case and i'm like wait a second i was like hold on <laughs> i was like maybe they didn't and i'm sitting there, i'm like man both those sides were so damn good in presenting their case and their facts and like it was just it was which is part of the reason why it's actually difficult to be on a jury a lot of times is that it's not clear cut right and especially like when you watch documentaries or crime shows like they present the facts after a verdict's already been reached or they present the facts they want to and so it seems so clear cut and easy but a lot of times when you're sitting there and you're getting like the full adversarial process played out in front of you it becomes uh-huh. very difficult you're like oh my god and, like it does take time to deliberate but uh it's just it is really cool to watch um really good attorneys make arguments because the, a, they're really good at their practice. And so they're good at trying to convince you of things and then yep. just having that conflicting feeling. Um, and then on the point on, on phones, I, one thing, this is, this is so stupid, but one thing I love about being an attorney is I get to bring my phone with me into court. <laughs> and so, um, and so you guys one have of, the same rules in, in Chicago, no recording or audio and video. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, I believe judges, you are never, you're never allowed to take a picture of a courtroom, which is interesting because you see people doing it all the time. And then the bailiff comes over and makes them delete it. Um, nice. but, uh, cause like some people like, like, they're like, Oh, look at this. I'm in court today. And they want to like take a selfie or a picture. And it's like, no, you're not allowed to do that. Um, but with permission of the court, you can, uh, things can be recorded or taped, but it's very rarely granted. Um, like the, I believe, um, in Chicago, like the Laquan McDonald, uh, trial of, um, officer Van Dyke, that one was recorded and broadcast the entire thing, um, Mm -hmm. which was because of the high profile case, but that was very much the exception to what is the the normal rule. Um, yeah, yeah. But it also things vary from county to county, right? The court system in in Illinois and most states is on a county level, and so we practice in Chicago's in Cook County. So vast majority of my practice is in Cook County. But every once in a while, I have to do something in one of the outside counties, and um, one of them, DuPage, they don't even let you bring your cell phone past security into the courthouse unless you're an attorney. And so oh. I'm standing in the security line, and all these people because they're X-raying their bag, and all these people are saying you have to go back to your car and put your phone in there you're not allowed to bring it in and they scan mine and they go sir are you an attorney i was like yes i am like okay can we see your bar card i show it to him i get to walk in with like an ipad and a cell phone and like i'm like on discord you're like hey guys what's going on exactly yes i mean the number of times like when i'm waiting for my case to be called that i'm on like twitter or discord like tweeting out about stupid (laughs) shit um it it is it is a privilege so it's funny 
So I do, I do. There's every once in a while, I'm like, ah, yes, I feel like it's nice to be part of the privileged class. So, um, <laughs> in that, but that is, that is always good. But then again, like, I can also get in serious trouble, like, if stupid shit happened with my phone. So it's like, it's like, okay, like, I get to do this, but at the same time, like, let me not be a complete idiot about it and get myself in actual trouble. Yeah, so, idiot. Yes. But anyway, so what were we talking about, court? Kickstarter. All right, let's we'll yeah, run we'll, through the. We'll, run, we'll actually go back. <laughs> actually, we're going back to a topic. Note this down. First time in Shenantics history. This is insane. Um, I'm gonna run through mine really quick, and yeah, I just want to say quick. at the very top, um, three things I've noticed is I was giving short change to Kickstarter projects because most of mine have been fulfilled. Um, not oh. all that well. Um, which we'll go through, and I'll point out the ones that were. Uh, in my memory, really bad ones. Um, and I've also spent a shit ton of money on Kickstarter. All right. So I don't, when should I go back and see when this one was? God, when was this? I pledged, where this is my first one. I can do this for all of them. My first one was pledged on April 10th, 2011. So we're going wow. all the way back there. Um, and that was there for an uh, item called Coffee Julie's. J-O-U-L-I-E-S. Okay. And the idea is they were these big metal beans that you would put in your hot coffee and they would absorb heat, but then they would stay warm. So it would cool down your coffee so it was drinkable, but then it would keep your coffee warm for longer because it was almost like a reverse ice cube. Um, oh, that's weird. Yeah, that one was fulfilled very late. I think it was probably like six or seven, maybe even six or seven months or maybe a year late. Um, also, they didn't work. Uh <laughs> <laughs> nearly as well like they probably gave you an extra like minute of warmness um and they didn't really cool it down all that much other than if you had just let it sit out and realistically like one ice cube would have done the job much better so coffee julies they did fulfill it but the product was a letdown big uh, thumbs so down big thumbs down i don't even know i think my threw mine away i don't know i, I pledged 145 dollars wow. on that stupid thing. holy shit i know um 140 for that yeah yeah, yeah whoa yeah, and just that yeah. nothing else yeah i think you got multiple of them like i think i had like oh like, like so you probably can't use them all the time ten. like yeah you can't like you wash them but like i don't i don't know why i needed more than a few of them but oh weird um the, the next one was the cosmonaut which we already talked about studio neat which is a stylus for the ipad and that they fulfilled um the one after that was pen type a which is a pen for like a desk pen which is really really cool my pen of choice is the pilot high-tech c and it comes in this like not that cool plastic case and this was like a nicely finished metal case for that pen and they did they were late on that one but they did ship it and it actually turned out to be pretty good one thing that was shitty is that like the day after they shipped it they sold a better version of this so instead of implementing the things they learned into the, what they gave to people they just sold a second version uh with the updated one um then they also had a Another one later that I don't think I pledged, I think I just bought outright called like pen type B or pen type C, which was like a pocketable version of that, which I still love. Um, next one is Pebble, which is the, you know, e-ink paper watch or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. 
the one of the very one of the earlier smartwatches. I they shipped me mine, and I wore that thing pretty much until I got an Apple Watch. So I would say that one they shipped late, but that was a success. Um, Retro Game Crunch was these game developers, and they were going to release six games in six months. So like they would spend thirty days working on a game, and at the on the thirty first day or whatever the last day of the month, they would ship the game in a playable format, and you could play it. Uh, they did ship all six games. I think they were fun. They did a very good job, and they kind of kept like a dev diary as they did it, so you can kind of keep track with it. Um, okay. And if you like, and the games are still available on Steam, so you could buy the Retro Game Crunch games on Steam. Oh. So that one I would say was a huge success. I backed uh, 99% Invisible Season 4 on um, on um, on Kickstarter, I backed this thing called the magazine, which was an iPad app. And then they did like a compilation, which I backed and they did deliver that one. I still have that book space team, which is a really cool iOS and Android game that if you guys have never played is an amazingly fun party game. So I do recommend it. And that one I did, uh, I backed one of their Kickstarters for funding to kind of rewrite the entire game because I like the game so much. I backed a wow, hundred dollars cool. on that thing, which Damn. was, I, know, I think worth it. I love that game. Download it from the app stores. Um, I also had a period where I was backing a lot of board games, uh, slap 45 and pirate loot, two games that were delivered to me and I have not played either of them. Um, then I bought back simple syrup kit, which I talked about earlier. That was by studio neat. They did be- deliver that on time. I backed Radiotopia. I backed something called writer emergency pack, which was like a card deck of writing prompts. So like, if you like, were trying to do creative writing type stuff or to get you unstuck, if you had a writer's block on something, uh-huh. Um, and they did deliver that. I backed the game Exploding Kittens by the guy that does the oatmeal. Talking mm-hmm. about someone that continues to deliver on Kickstarters. They had the other one that was uh, Bears versus Babies or whatever, the next game. And they were able to deliver each of those. I backed uh, this thing that was the biggest failure called Wired In. And it was one of those it was like one of those signs that says like on air or whatever. And I don't oh, know why the okay. fuck I backed this thing. Why and they not? still haven't delivered. And this is the one where I keep getting emails about it. And I'm like, I just want you to stop. Like, I don't care. It was $45. Keep my $45. Never deliver this to me. I really don't care. <laughs> uh, another little set of board games. I backed a game called One Hit Kill, which I also haven't played. They did deliver that. And I actually was going to play that this past week during our Polar Vortex when I was stuck at home. Um, and then a game called Fisty Cuffs, which they also did deliver. And then after that, I backed Secret Hitler, which obviously they delivered that, and that game is great. Um, and then my last two is Fidget Cube, which is like um, like when fidget spinners were very popular, this came out where it kind of gives you like a desk toy that you can play with. And then um, a couple streams, their debut EP, uh, I backed that one as well to get a vinyl copy of that. So, And they did deliver, and I do have the vinyl. So out of everything, there really was like what... There was one that didn't work very well. There was one that they kind of were shitty in the way that they delivered a better product like the day after. And then there was a few late ones. And then there was really only one in my entire list that I never received and don't want to receive at this point. So maybe I'm giving Kickstarter too much shit. So, Damn. Okay. Uh, you had some good ones. Like You had a lot of success. Thank you. You're muted. I don't know if you said anything for the last like 45 minutes. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> I was like, I had a long discussion about Julius Caesar, and I was wondering why you didn't respond. 
Oh, yeah, no. So I, um, you had a lot of really successful shit. I did, I did. So I, that's why I feel like I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little hard on Kickstarter, harder than I need to be. That was good though. I thought you had some good backing there. Yeah, that was good. I haven't backed anything really. I wouldn't say that recently. Like a few, like ACS, a couple streams. Like theirs was, I think, last year. But other than that, I feel like everything else was like a couple of years before then. So. Yeah. No, you had some good stuff there. Yeah, but no. So I, I was a big Kickstarter backer type person. I, I backed lots of money into the Kickstarter area. So. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We love you, Kickstarter. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I, I don't really back anything anymore just because I don't know. I feel like I feel like I did get things that were delivered, but like with the board games, I never really ended up playing them. Um and so it was what was the point of backing it? Why don't I just buy it on full release? And True. I was like I haven't been burned that much, but the amount that I have is like I'll just buy whatever it is when you are able to deliver a successful a successful product. So Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, so I don't know, but anyways, we're running a bit long and I got to head out skinky. So for yeah. the food finish this week, all I want to say is do not use coffee Julie's in your coffee or tea because they're bullshit. However, you should absolutely go over to Adagio and buy some skinky's tea blends. They are delicious. <gasps> I poured one for or brewed one for myself right before I recorded Shenantics. And as always, I put Chicago honey in mind. So it is the Shenantics tea. Oh, a little bit of so skinky, nice. a little bit of M. Cole. So that's what you guys get for the food finish this week. You guys, that's been another episode of Shenantics. New episodes go live bright and early Monday morning, just in time for your workday, school day, chores, commute, whatever you do. We are there to hang out with you. You can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts, including the iTunes store, the Google Play store, Spotify, and at our website website at shenantics.rocks if you like the podcast leave us a five-star review on the itunes store that way other people can find this amazingness and they can listen to us every week right along with you speaking about listening along with others there is a discord head over to shenantics.rocks about or discord.shenantics.rocks to get the invite link to talk to other shenantics fanatics every week if you have any comments or questions you can send us a tweet at twitter.com shenantics pod and an email at shenantics podcast at gmail.com and skanky where can they find you on the internet they can find me on twitch at twitch.tv slash skanky s-k-x-n-k-y and on twitter at iskanky i-s-k-a-n-k-y and mcole where can they find you they can find me on the internet at mcole underscore m-c-u-l with the underscore symbol same username on twitch twitter and instagram so good talking to you this week skanky good talk with you too have fun at your super bowl thing and i'll see you guys later goodbye everybody